Living God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the new light of this day. Open our lips to tell of the empty tomb and open our hearts to believe the good news through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today we read from 1 John. John's three letters are toward the end of your New Testament, just before that one chapter book called Jude and, and the book of Revelation. 1 John does not have the usual greeting and conclusion that other New Testament letters have, but clearly it was written to several churches. Now, Paul wrote churches to address specific concerns or problems in those churches, and so did John. For example, some church members claimed that they did not sin. They failed to obey Jesus' commandments, and they didn't just fail to love their brothers and sisters in church. They hated them. I don't know anyone here who claims to be without sin, but we all know some people somewhere who act like they think that. However, we do admit that we fall short in following Jesus' commands. And when we're honest, most of us, most of us will admit having some less than kind thoughts about some of our fellow Christians. But the churches that John was writing to, they had another problem with a name that we don't usually mention in polite company, docetism. Docetism is the belief that Jesus was not truly human. He wasn't like you and me. There's a seminary professor who writes about this, Charles Koser, who says that there's a modern version of that docetism and is thinking of Jesus as some sort of superman, untouched by normal human fears or weaknesses. Somebody who wouldn't stoop to involve himself in our everyday kind of conflicts. The professor says that there's still others who take Jesus to be more of a spirit who has nothing to do with the physical dimensions of real life that we have to deal with. Well, you may remember a, a, a while back we used that longer and older creed that called the Nicene Creed. That creed from the year 325, it made the official position of the church that Christ was God, not merely similar to God, but one and the same. It said, very God and very God, truly God. We believe that Jesus Christ was and is fully God and fully human. But this letter called 1 John, it's not some dry theological abstraction. John writes about what he's heard with his own ears, seen with his own eyes, touched with his own hands. This is personal. This is a first-hand account. So listen now for God's word for us today in 1 John, starting at the first verse. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the, the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you, may, you also may have fellowship with us 
and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Is your joy complete? Almost? Not quite? Is something lacking? Has something somehow fallen short of your expectations? Have you? What makes you joyful? And what would it take for your joy to be complete? Well, let's look at what the Bible has to say about joy. The book of Song of Solomon speaks a lot about the joy of physical love. In Proverbs, we, we read about the joy of married love and Proverbs 3 saying, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And the next verse says, May you be intoxicated always by her love. That's one good way to be drunk. You know? <laughs> Psalm 113 talks about the joy of parenthood and of God making a woman the joyous mother of children. The 98th Psalm includes nature in joyful celebration saying, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord. Now joy was hard to come by back in Old Testament days when the people of Israel were in exile. Remember one time they said, oh, sing us a song from your land. They said, how can I, how can I sing a joyful song in a in a foreign land. Well, joy became something not current, but something anticipated, something to look forward to. The prophet writes in Isaiah 65, for I am about to create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, 
but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I'm about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. Well, there's lots of joy in the New Testament. Well, just consider three examples from Luke's Gospel. The birth of Jesus is cause for joy. Remember that in Luke 2, uh, they quote the angels as saying those, remember the shepherds who are keeping watch over their flock by night. Do not be afraid, the angel said, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. The second example I give is 10th chapter of Luke tells of Jesus. Remember he sent out, he named 70 folks to go out and sent them out in pairs of two, so 35 pairs of two. And when they returned, it says they returned with joy at the success that they had had in carrying out this mission Jesus had sent them on. And then the 17th chapter of Luke tells of Jesus' ascension and says that after he was carried up into heaven, the disciples worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And then recall what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Yes, you are our, our glory and joy. He was so happy with that church he had helped start and nurture. Well, you remember that we read the, the first couple of verses from the second chapter of 1 John and he told us why he was writing the letter. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not ours only, but also the sin of the whole world. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ forgives our human sinfulness. John uses three images there. First, Jesus is our advocate. Best lawyer you ever had. Our advocate. Jesus is the righteous one. That he lived without sin. And then, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. Not just for us, but for the world. Frankly, I think that there are a lot of people who look at God, what I'd say, they look at God backwards. They'll post things on the internet. It's funny how it comes up. When the Baptists were talking about building the parking lot, that came up. But they'll, <laughs> they'll say, God's an angry old man, demanding sacrifice. I just don't like that idea at all. I say, they got it backwards. It's not that an angry God's got to be paid off and with Jesus' blood, it's that our human sinfulness, our human shortcoming, our failings despite our best efforts, it's us that have to be dealt with to make it possible for us to be in that right relationship with God and with all God's children. Jesus Christ, our advocate, gave his life for us so that we can be in that right relationship with God and with God's children. Jesus Christ 
lived and died and was raised and is coming again so that, so that our joy may be complete. Thanks be to God. Go out and live as though Christ died yesterday. Christ rose this morning, and Christ is coming tomorrow. And may God bless you as you seek to serve our Lord and all God's children.